0: SECTION 24 OF THE SCIENCE HISTORY OF THE UNIVERSE VOLUME 5 THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN FOR MORE INFORMATION OR TO VOLUNTEER PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG RECORDING BY WARREN Cotty, GURNEY, ILLINOIS THE SCIENCE HISTORY OF THE UNIVERSE VOLUME 5 EDITED BY FRANCIS ROLT WHEELER BIOLOGY chapter fifteen heredity part one no topic in all biology has received so much attention in recent times both from investigators and from the intelligent public at large as heredity the reason for this interest is to be found in the importance of heredity for the individual human life its practical importance in breeding plants and animals and its bearing on the evolutionary theory of biology its importance in these lines is clearly related by j arthur thompson of aberdeen in his recent book heredity Quote, there are no scientific problems of greater human interest than those of heredity he declares that is to say the genetic relation between successive generations since the issues of the individual life are in great part determined by what the living creature is or has to start with in virtue of its hereditary relation to parents and ancestors we cannot disregard the facts of heredity in our interpretation of the past our conduct in the present or our forecasting of the future great importance undoubtedly attaches to environment in the widest sense food climate housing scenery and the animate milieu and to function in the widest sense exercise education occupation or the lack of these but all these potent influences act upon an organism whose fundamental nature is determined though not rigidly fixed, by its heredity, that is, we repeat, by its genetic relation to its forebears. As Herbert Spencer said, inherited constitution must ever be the chief factor in determining character. And what is important in regard to man's heredity is even more demonstrably important in regard to his domesticated animals and cultivated plants. What has been achieved in the past in regard to horses and cattle, pigeons and poultry, cereals and chrysanthemums, by experimental cleverness and infinite patience may be surpassed in the future if breeders and cultivators can attain to a better understanding of the more or less obscure laws of inheritance on which all their results depend the study of heredity is also of fundamental importance in the domain of pure science in the biologist's attempt to interpret the process of evolution by which the complexities of our present-day fauna and flora have gradually arisen from simpler antecedents for heredity is obviously one of the conditions of evolution, of continuance as well as of progress. There would have been heredity even if there had been a monotonous world of protists, without any evolution at all. But there could not have been any evolution in the animate world without heredity as one of its conditions. The study of heredity is inextricably bound up with the problems of development, reproduction, fertilization, variation, and so on in short it is one of the central themes of biology End quote. some outline of the reproduction of organisms is a necessary prelude to a discussion of the theories of heredity it has been stated that as a rule individual plants and animate start as a single cell in the one-celled organisms the simple division of the parent cell into daughter cells constitutes reproduction each of the daughter cells thus formed is a young organism with the power to grow to mature size divide and complete a life cycle by reproducing one unicellular organism today may merge its individuality into two offspring in a few hours and then into four in the next few hours and so on many celled plants and animals begin their individual existence as one-celled ova or ovules which by oft-repeated cell division produce the thousands of cells found in the body of the larger plants and animals. In these, certain cells are set apart as reproductive cells for the development of new individuals. As is well known, most higher plants and animals have differentiated into male and female sexes. Each produces a peculiar kind of reproductive or germ cell. In animals, the organs of the male known as spermaries produce minute cells, sperm cells or spermatozoa, provided with a vibratile appendage capable of causing swimming in fluids the organs of the female known as ovaries produce ova or eggs these eggs are simple cells usually incapable of division without fertilization by swimming a sperm cell comes into contact with an egg cell penetrates and is transformed into a nucleus which moves to meet and fuse with the female nucleus of the egg cell this entrance and fusion of sperm nucleus with egg nucleus is fertilization. Immediately after the fusion, the fertilized egg or oosperm shows signs of preparation for division by mitosis, and soon the two cell stage is formed. In like manner, by mitosis, cleavage again takes place in each of these two cells, and there follow stages of 4, 8, 16, 32, etc. cells until the egg has been divided into a mass of cells. Cell division continues, differentiation into tissues takes place, and a folding off of organs goes on until the individual is completely formed. In plants, the process is, in essentials, the same. In the lower plants, even including the mosses and the ferns, the male germ cells are motile and swim to meet the female germ cells. They enter and produce changes similar to those described for animals. In the higher flowering plants motile male cells are not found instead there are pollen grains adapted to being carried by winds insects etc from the anther of one flower to the pistil of another from the pollen grain a delicate tube grows down into the ovary and into contact with the egg cell or ovule of the plant down this tube moves a small cell from the inside of the pollen grain its nucleus fuses with the egg nucleus producing fertilization and leading soon to cell division in brief outline the above is the story of the usual origin of higher plants and animals in sexual reproduction the essential point is that new individuals arise from two cells one derived from each parent exceptional cases do occur some multicellular animals like hydra and certain worms may give rise to buds or divide into two or more new animals. This is similar to the power of many plants to reproduce from buds, shoots, or cuttings. This process is known as asexual reproduction, in which also is classed the simple division of one-celled plants and animals. In most cases, organisms with the power of asexual reproduction also multiply by sexual reproduction, but many plants seem to be able to multiply indefinitely by runners, tubers, and so on. Another exception to the general rule that higher individuals develop from the fusion of two germ cells is found among certain species of plant lice, aphides, water fleas, small crustacea, and others, which under certain conditions develop from unfertilized eggs. This is parthenogenesis. With the possible exception of certain scale insects, parthenogenesis among animals is always temporary and parthenogenetic generations are from time to time usually in the fall succeeded by a generation reproducing sexually among plants many species are believed to be permanently parthenogenetic when such cases are considered it must be admitted that the vital processes may continue indefinitely simply by repeated division of the cells themselves without the intervention of the act of fertilization still on the other hand it is necessary to conclude on account of the wide distribution throughout the whole organic kingdom of the phenomenon of fertilization that this institution is of essential importance among the vital processes and that it is fundamentally connected with the life of the cell for an understanding of the problems of heredity the method of development of sperm spermatogenesis and of ova oogenesis is necessary as well as the exact steps of the process by which an oosperm or unicellular embryo is formed by the union of the two sexual elements. In plants and animals, both ovary and spermary are at first composed of cells of the ordinary kind, the primitive sex cells, and it is only by the further development of these that the sex of the gonad is determined. In the spermary, the sex cells undergo repeated fission, forming what are known as the sperm mother cells, in which the number of chromosomes is constant in any given species the sperm mother cell divides and the process of division is immediately repeated the result being that each sperm mother cell gives rise to a group of four cells having half the normal number of chromosomes the four cells so produced being the immature sperms thus the sperm or male gamete is a true cell and is specifically modified in most cases for active movements this mitotic division by which the number of chromosomes in the sperm mother cells is reduced by one-half is known as a reducing division. As already stated, the ova also arise from primitive sex cells. These divide and give rise to the egg mother cells. The egg mother cells do not immediately undergo division, but remain passive and increase, often enormously, in size, by the absorption of nutriment from surrounding parts. In this way, each egg mother cell becomes an ovum. In addition to increase in the bulk of the protoplasm itself, a formation of plastic products usually goes on to an immense extent, and the ovum may attain a comparatively enormous size, as, for instance, in birds, in which the yolk is simply an immense egg cell. Such an ovum is incapable of being fertilized or of developing into an embryo, before it is ripe for conjugation with a sperm or able to undergo the first stages of segmentation, it has to go through a process known as the maturation of the egg. Maturation consists essentially in a twice-repeated process of cell division by mitosis, and by its means two small cells called polar cells are thrown off. The ovum has now lost a portion of its protoplasm, together with three-fourths of its chromatin, half having passed into the first polar cell and half of what remained into the second. The remaining one-fourth of the chromatin takes on a rounded form and is distinguished as the female pronucleus. The formation of both polar cells takes place by a reducing division, so that while the immature ovum contains the number of chromosomes found in the ordinary cells of the species, the mature ovum, like the sperm, contains only one-half the normal number shortly after or in some cases before maturation the ovum is fertilized by the conjugation with it of a single sperm sperms are produced in vastly greater numbers than ova and it often happens that a single egg is seen quite surrounded with sperms all apparently about to conjugate with it it has however been found to be a general rule that only one of these actually conjugates the others like the drones in a beehive perish without fulfilling the one function they are fitted to perform the sperm and egg nuclei approach one another and finally unite to form what is called the segmentation nucleus the single nucleus of what is not now the ovum but the oosperm the impregnated egg or unicellular embryo the fertilizing process is thus seen to consist of the union of two nuclear bodies one contributed by the male gamete or sperm the other by the female gamete or ovum it follows from this that the essential nuclear matter or chromatin of the oosperm is derived in equal proportions from each of the two parents. Moreover, as both male and female pronuclei contain only half the number of chromosomes found in the ordinary cells of the species, the union of the pronuclei results in the restoration of the normal number to the oosperm. Fertilization being thus effected, the process of segmentation or division of the oosperm takes place as described the significance of these observed phenomena of maturation fertilization and cell division in modern theories of inheritance will be apparent the main facts of organic reproduction which are fundamental to a consideration of the modern problems of heredity having been outlined a brief survey of some of the most prominent theories of heredity which have been advanced during the last two centuries will be given after which attention will be directed to the present-day problems of heredity including mentalism or the experimental study of heredity and the cytological problems which have as their aim the identification of the inheritance material in the germ cells it is not strange that of the many attempts at theories of heredity the early ones were essentially mystical and fell back on the supernatural to explain what could not be seen throughout the seventeenth and eighteenth centuries there prevailed a theory of preformation. the believers in this theory Men like Bonet and Haller maintained the preformations of the organism and all its parts within the egg. They regarded the apparent new formation of organs during development as an illusion and held that development was merely an unfolding of this preformed miniature. Moreover, they believed that the germ contained not only a preformation of the organism into which it was to grow, but of successive generations as well. To quote from Thompson, preformed miniature lay within preformed miniature in ever-increasing minuteness as if in a conjurer's box thus it was computed that mother eve must have included over two hundred thousand millions of homunculi or sometimes it was adam who was made to bear this burden for according to one party the ovists e g malpighi it was the ovum that contained the miniature which had to be unfolded while according to others the it was the sperm which contained the preformed model, But how the germ came to have this preformed model, they could not tell. Kaspar Friedrich Wolff was the first to raise a strong protest against the speculations of the preformationists and to advance a new theory. Appealing to facts, he showed that in the early stages of the chick's development, there was no visible hint of a preformed miniature, but that various organs made their appearance, successively and gradually, and were to be seen being formed he held that there is a new formation or epigenesis but how the germ that seems to start anew every time can develop as it does the upholders of the theory of epigenesis could not tell for their ultimate explanations of heredity both schools fell back on the assumption of hyperphysical agencies as the earlier theorists had done before them passing from these mystical interpretations of the phenomena of heredity there are a whole series of theories which are in varying degrees scientific and may be fairly described by the general designation pangenetic thompson in the science of life and in heredity gives good accounts of the various theories of heredity from these works the material in this section has been taken these theories all have this in common that they seek to explain the uniqueness of the germ cell by regarding it as the center of contributions from different parts of the organism a collection of samples from the various organs spencer darwin jaeger galton brooks and others at one time or another contributed toward these theories in eighteen sixty four spencer suggested the existence of physiological units derived from and capable of development into cells and supposed that they accumulated in the germ cells which thus became in a conceivable sense miniature organisms the best-known theory of this class is the Provisional Hypothesis of Pangenesis, enunciated by Darwin in 1868. The main suggestions of this theory are as follows. Every cell of the body, not too highly differentiated, throws off characteristic gemmules. These multiply by fission, retaining their characteristics. They become specially concentrated in the reproductive elements in both sexes in development the gemmules unite with others like themselves and grow into cells like those from which they were originally given off or they remain latent during development through several generations by means of this theory darwin attempted to explain not only the simpler facts of heredity but also quote, those very curious but abundant cases in which a character is transmitted in a latent form and at last reappears after many generations such cases being known as atavism or reversion, and again, those cases of latent transmission in which characteristics special to the male are transmitted to the male offspring through the female parent without being manifest in her, and, yet again, the appearance at a particular period of life of characters inherited and remaining latent in the young organism, end quote, as Lancaster expresses it. The great defect of this theory is obviously its entirely hypothetical character. No one has ever observed any gemmules. Moreover, it is not in harmony with the results of experiments, e.g., on transfusion of blood, or with what is known as the physiology of cells or with the facts of experimental inheritance. The next theory to be noted is the theory of genetic or germinal continuity. This theory was first suggested by Owen in 1849. Since then, Haeckel, Jaeger, Brooks, Galton, Nussbaum, Weissman, and a score of others have contributed toward it. In its earlier conception, this geminal continuity consisted in a continuity of germ cells. A summary of this idea follows. At an early stage in the embryo, the future reproductive cells of the organism are often distinguishable from those which are forming the body. The latter develop in manifold variety and lose almost all likeness to the mother germ. The former, the reproductive rudiments, are not implicated in the differentiation of the body, remain virtually unchanged, and continue the protoplasmic tradition unaltered. As the sex cells of the offspring are thus continuous with the parental sex cells which give rise to it, they will, in turn, develop into similar organisms. In this view, the reproductive cells form a continuous chain and the reproduction of like by like is natural and necessary but a serious difficulty besets this doctrine, for a direct chain of cellular continuity can only be said to exist in a few cases. Thus, this theory of the continuity of the germ cells has been replaced by the newer theory of the continuity of the germ-plasm. This is Weismann's theory. Weizmann has worked it out in the minutest details. The problems which he discusses are too intricate and technical for any but a special student. For present purposes, a very brief summary, as expressed by Thompson, will be sufficient. Quote, a living creature usually takes its origin from a fertilized egg cell, from a union of an ovum and a spermatozoan. These germ cells are descended by a continuous cell division from the fertilized ova, which gave rise to the two parents. They have retained the organization of the fertilized ova, and this organization has its vehicle in the chromatin of the nucleus, the germ plasm this germplasm consists of several chromosomes or idants each of which is made up of several pieces or ids each of which here hypothesis begins is supposed to contain all the potentialities generic specific and individual of a new organism each id is a microcosm with an architecture which has been elaborated for ages it is supposed to consist of numerous determinants, one for each part of the organism that is capable of varying independently or of being independently expressed during development. Lastly, each determinant is pictured as consisting of a number of ultimate vital particles of biophores, which are eventually liberated in the cytoplasm of the various embryonic cells. All these units of various grades are capable of growth and of multiplication by division. End quote. In its more general aspects, this view of Weismann's represents what might be called the dominant modern view. That is, there is general belief that the germ cell inherits from the parental germ cells an organization of great complexity, including an intricate architecture of minute particles which are the material bearers of particular inheritance qualities. Not all biologists, however, agree with Weismann in his limitation of the inheritance material to the chromosomes. It is here that the inheritance problems of today have their beginning. End of section 24. Recording by Warren Cotty, Gurney, Illinois.